Hello, After Buzz TV. My name is Lauren Lagrasso. I am here with a multi-platinum singer-songwriter. His name is Nash Overstreet. I am so excited to share his music with you and to share his humanity with you. Let's see what happens. Tune in. You're tuning into the destination for TV superfan discussion, After Buzz TV. And now, let the buzz begin. This is Nash's new song. This is Nash's new video. Both out now. You don't get to do that. You don't. It's a little too I love this song, Nash. Thank you. It is so good. I can't get it out of my head. That would be the goal. If yeah. I can if I can just keep doing that every time I write a song, I'm good. I think you can. It sounds like I'm <laughs> echoing. Oh, there we are. Yeah, I think I was in another mic. There we are. Welcome. Well, as long as we sort it out before we get done. You know what? It, you just said before, we're all about the technical difficulties. We wouldn't feel comfortable if we didn't have to overcome some sort of technical adversity. Exactly. So. I've, uh, I've had my live moments with like headphones going out on me and... What's your like hardest live performance moment you've ever had where you're like, oh, I don't know if I can keep doing the show? Um, Jimmy Fallon. We performed, I don't know if we did two songs or one song, but we did I Like It Like That mm-hmm. um, as Hot Shell Ray on Jimmy Fallon. And my guitar solo, as I started playing it, no. my headphones pop out of my in-ear pack. So they're plugging my ears and they're blocking all the sound. But now there's nothing coming into them from all the microphones. And I had to figure out like how to get close enough to the drum kit to feel the rhythm and to stay on time. And I was just like, I know this part and I know the guitar well enough that I can just play it. And like, I know I'm playing the right thing, but I cannot hear myself at all. It's definitely a nervous moment. That's horrifying. Yeah. So, but did it turn out? It was fine. It was, it was fine. It was a good thing it was at the end of the song. Right. Like, no more singing needed to happen. I didn't have to, like, go back to playing any parts or, like, harmonizing or anything. It was just, as long as I could get done with that 30-second thing, we were good. Wow. Oh, gosh. Well, you're quite a performer that you're able to do that. Not many could deal with that kind of situation. Like we were talking about earlier. Oh, gosh. <laughs> what did you think of that, by the way? I understand and have more, um, un, like I guess, empathy for performers when they have something go wrong. Sure. Just because I've been in those situations, right. uh, like Adele, the right. thing that Adele had happen at the Grammys was typical, even though it doesn't seem like it would be. Mm-hmm. You get, like, you hear a certain pitch, a certain key, and you're perfectly on that, but it's a little off of everything else, and you sometimes you just can't get off that. And I thought it was amazing she started over. I loved it. Because otherwise you just go on and everybody thinks you're not a good singer, but she's a great singer. And uh, I was like, all right, I got mad respect for you being like, look, let's just be real. It is what it is. I'm going to start this over and, you know, do it right. Right. I thought it showed her humanity and it it was very real. I mean, like we've all, because I played bars. You said you used to play bars when you were first starting out. The worst ones. Of course. (laughs) That's what you have to do when you're cutting your teeth. But... It's um, it, it's something that would happen in those situations. You're like, you guys, the sound is terrible. I have to start over. And oh, I appreciated sure. it because it showed that she's still a performer. She still has so much integrity as a performer, and she's still an artist. Yeah. I wish a... Mariah Carey would have done something a little bit more along those lines. Well, I think that 
there's a point where you get pissed off. And if you can't, like if you've been too pissed off for too long that day and people are just doing stuff wrong everywhere right. you look, I guess when that happened to her, she was over it. Like they'd been screwing up for who knows if it was an hour or all day during rehearsals. And apparently they hadn't worked with her the way she wanted to. Mm. So things weren't set up right. Um, and it, you know, just kind of went out the window once it started happening. I I think that was the Times Square thing, right? Yes. New Year's. New Year's um, Eve. I got the luckiest moment of my life performing on New Year's in Times Square. Really? I would have been so nervous. And I was not nervous at all because I thought the rehearsal performance was the real one. So by the time we did the real one, I'd already gotten all my like butterflies out on the rehearsal one. And I was like, I've, I've done this before. Like a minute ago, I did this exact same thing and I thought it was the real thing. So I kind of like flip-flopped my butterflies and my jitters and everything. That's awesome. So what I year was that? Um, I don't know, but I want to say 2013. I could totally be wrong. Oh, I believe like, you. I'm better with dates than years. Like what day of the month it is. Yeah. Like yeah. I know what I did on like November 9th of 2012, but I had to look that year up when I was telling a story recently. It was like the day I moved to L.A., Really? I was like, I know the exact day. I know where I was flying in from, everything. I have no idea what year. Yeah, well, time kind of goes by here and you don't notice because up until this year, we didn't really have weather. This then is the true. rain came. But um, The rain dropped. It dropped. Dropped Many, out. many drops <laughs> actually came down. But speaking of dates, so you come from a long line of songwriters. Your dad is a very much an acclaimed songwriter in Nashville. Your mm-hmm. brother is also a songwriter. You are obviously, do you remember when you first wrote a song and how it felt and how it all came about? Yeah, uh, it was terrible. It was really <laughs> do bad. Do you remember it? No, no, I don't. I didn't sing it. Uh, I had a friend of mine and he was a pretty terrible singer, uh-huh. but he was willing to sing and I wasn't. I didn't want to sing for anybody until I had, like, had hit puberty and had my voice changed and all that. Really? I was so afraid of, like, the Billy Gilman moment of the squelching, like, squeaky, Aww. you know, transition. I was not about that. So I wrote this song, and I was like, all right, here's the music. Here's the lyrics. Sing it. Oh, how am I going to tell him how to sing this without singing it myself? <laughs> and I just didn't. And he totally, we were, like, in my dad's studio, and he was letting us record it. He totally sang it all wrong and in my mind terrible now looking back i was just gonna write a terrible song no matter what it was i was 11 yeah like, it was and not it's gonna be pretty a- aim at it so yeah yeah it was a it was a soft aim i missed by <laughs> like a mile and a half we just kept going oh yeah for yeah. sure and so your dad he was encouraging of you yeah that's great he uh he was very encouraging very much into what i was doing what i'd do today but I also was foolishly independent, mm-hmm. and I wanted to make sure I did it on my own. Really? So Why? I just thought that there was no cred in getting help from my parents yeah. or my dad, who was musical. I didn't want him to be the reason that I accomplished something or could write a song or knew how to record. Mm-hmm. He helped me by having equipment around and supporting me, but I really wanted to do it on my own. And looking back, I'm like, man, nobody cares about 
how use nepotism all day like how much cred does this 15 year old have right no like get all the wisdom you can learn and use anybody's talent that's around you Mm -hmm. and you know like give some uh, props to wisdom when you've got it Mm -hmm. but I was a little idiot and I didn't so it took me a little longer to get over that and you know stop trying to like run from the thing of having a father in the music industry Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I took this class um, with a girl. Her name's Isabella, and her dad was one of um, Mariah Carey, actually, and Celine Dion's longtime collaborators. Okay. And she kept running away from it, and she's like, I'm not using my dad. I'm like, girl, it is so hard out here. (laughs) Like, just get on that, you know? But I understand from that perspective, and you obviously had the talent to take you to where you are now without having to use any of that um, connection. But at the same time, this industry is just... So cutthroat and so difficult. But you said you like the competition, right? Oh, I definitely love... I love when I go into a session or to record, and I know that in Los Angeles especially, a mm-hmm. hundred million people are in different rooms doing the same exact thing. And they're all competing you know, for the best song of that day, in a sense, even though they're never going to hear each other's music. And I just kind of crave that drive and that, you know the anxious feeling to really do better than you did the day before what is your favorite song you've ever written gosh that's an evil question top three how about favorite song i've ever written um i mean you don't get to do that is definitely one of my favorites just because besides the fact that i'm very proud of it and i think it's a great song and i love how the record turned out it was the one that showed me what I wanted to be as an artist. And I've I've thought about songs before, forever before writing them. And, you know, you come up with this concept and you plan out how the song is going to go and you make up a story in your head. And you don't get to do that. I sat down with the guitar. My friend walked in, and my co-writer, and he was like, what about the title? You don't get to do that. And most of the lyrics and the melody... I kind of played and sang, and it naturally just happened. Wow. And I was like, wow, if that was that natural and that inside of me musically, I think there's something really special here. And that kind of just opened up a whole new door and tipped me towards the rest of the sound of the EP and the rest of the music that I've been making. That song is, it's just a feel-good song, even though it's like kind of sad because, you know, Mm -hmm. you're thinking about the end of a relationship, but... First of all, it's something everyone can relate to. We've all been dumped, or maybe we did the dumping, and we either come crawling back or they come crawling back. And it's like, hey, back off, buddy. <laughs> See, you're not on. my lover anymore. Don't act like it's sad. <laughs> Look at you smiling over there. You love <laughs> to imagine getting to use that sassy line to tell somebody off. This is the song is like, the song is past sad. It's when you're actually able to get angry, yeah. and kind of be a little bit of uh, the cold shoulder vibe and, you know, tell them off, which is yeah. which is the more fun part of the post-breakup. Yes. Yeah, there's many levels. That's definitely one of the better ones. You're actually saying that you have a, a situation that kind of involves this. You have an Xbox that you, Xbox you need to recover from a, pr- a previous lover's doorstep. Um, my friend said it's a real Xbox. A real one. I was one. like, how did I miss... The XX play on words with that. Um, yeah, I need to watch some DVDs, and how else am I going to do that? You got to get it. They took all the drives out of the computer. I can't, like, 
put it in the TV. Um, yeah. You gotta you gotta get that Xbox back. It's, that X is Xbox. X Xbox. <laughs> so I'm I love this this EP. You've got four songs on it. Tell me about the other three. Oh, how about you start picking which ones you want to know about? Well, I like the one that we're ending with, and that one is about how like you make me a different person, and um, like you you know you make me better. What was it? Brand new man. Brand new man. Yeah. Tell okay, is that autobiographical or is it something that kind of a story you created? It's um, you know, I don't like to write anything that's not autobiographical. Hundred percent. I will say that it's not specifically about any one person. Mm-hmm. Um. The two people I wrote it with were and are artists and have been on tour and they've, you know, had their crazy days and their modest, mild days and everything in between. You mean crazy as in like going on and being like, hey, let's make out. Yeah, like shimmy like that. Single and mingling. (laughs) Yes. Um, And so we all really related to the idea of you're in that mode of, you know, like soaking up whatever attention you can get. Mm -hmm. And then you meet somebody and they bring you back down to earth Mm -hmm. and they change the person you are and they make you the best version of yourself. And so, you know, we wrote the song about kind of that, that moment of meeting a special enough person that you want to be committed and you want to be a very responsible, like good person's Mm -hmm. version of yourself instead of the the craziest drunkest version that you might be that month or year that's beautiful do you think that that can last especially in this business i think so i hope so yeah um it's got to be a magic combo for sure and not everyone's gonna have it or get to do it but the uh i just feel like you have to own it you see people with beautiful relationships whether it's a permanent Mm -hmm. dating situation they got going on or you know, a great marriage and they see people who look perfect and seem like they would be perfect and they fall apart. Mm -hmm. So the Hollywood, like LA thing is a really tough thing to even see the truth through and know what's really going on. But I'm definitely optimistic. And I think when you find the right thing, you can easily make that work. And, you know, it's really refreshing to want to be loyal and committed and, you know, have a loving relationship instead of something that's just kind of whatever weird and wild and you know fun for the moment but mm-hmm. also really bad for your soul once you mm-hmm. get in a couple months 100% that's that's a, a great sentiment i'm going to hope that that's also true it's a tough our fingers time. crossed fingers crossed yeah, double right? crossed okay ride i read that this one was about when you've got friends they're there along for all of the great parts of your life but then things start going downhill and then they slowly slither away. Ride is about a stripper. No, I'm kidding. Oh, man. I'm kidding. Oh, the um, opposite of uh, brand new man. Uh, this is the old man. <laughs> I wrote it with T-Pain. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, Ride is definitely the the Fairweather Friend mm-hmm. song. It was, um, it was written by me and a couple of friends once we were talking about this mutual friend we all had that kind of fell off and got caught up with her new crew Mm. you know you meet like groups and then you realize if somebody's in it for a certain reason at some point it's going to be almost an end of the friendship and they're going to move on and you know in their mind bigger and better things or maybe they don't even know they're doing it but we were kind of just like saddened on the aspect of when you 
have somebody so important to you and then they get caught up and forget, you know, who you are to them. And uh, so it was it was about that and that feeling that we all kind of related to concerning the same person. Where do you think that comes from? Is it insecurity for that person? I think it's, um, I feel like it's maybe excitement mixed with just forgetting what's important and forgetting what's there at the end of the day. And like being an artist, for instance, I think the best version of yourself you're ever going to be as an artist is once you've had success, fallen off of it a little bit or a lot and gotten it back, once you are successful for the second time, you're a much better, nicer, gracious person. Yeah. Just because you respect where you're at and you respect the people that you, you know, know on all of the different levels on the way to and from that place. Do you relate to that at all? Because I know you were in this wildly popular group for a while and Mm -hmm. then you went off and you found yourself. Do you feel you have a new appreciation for the art now? Definitely. Yeah. Um, I don't want to think that I took a lot for granted back then, but... No, you seem like you, you've had your head on straight for the whole ride. Trying. The ride. Trying. But, but to go away from something that's that successful has mm-hmm. to be scary, and it has to humble you in some way. Definitely. I mean, even just not having a song currently out right. is a, a weird thing. Once you've... We had, I think, seven singles um, as Hot Shell Ray. And so once we spent you know a year or two years without a single out, the things you do and the ways you behave are forced to change just by culture and your own relevance. Mm -hmm. And I was in the studio the whole time, you know, honing in my solo project and getting this EP done, but also producing and writing um, with this artist that I signed, Sydney Tipton, who's an amazing singer and rapper and songwriter and writing songs for Rachel Platten and Britney Spears and Megan Trainer. And so these things are happening but still not having my name on a single that's on the radio in the top 40, that changes the whole way people interact with you. And I had to get okay with that and stop really caring and letting that define my happiness and my success. And as long as I'm making something that I'm proud of and I'm really into and I can pay my rent, that's like, you know. That's a and, dream. And eat good sushi. Oh my, well, it's come the on. most important. Yes. Rents, Especially when you're rents here. Rents at the bottom. Rents at the bottom. Yeah. As long as, you know, the sushi, number one. Go to that sugar fish. Look at my credit card statement. That is like <laughs> number one spending sushi. That's terrible. Well, it's not terrible because it's healthy for you. We'll, we'll say that, it's, sure. It's healthy and um, it's light and I support it. Are you going to come around with me and like vouch for me as yeah, I Yeah, I'll be like, listen, he's fine. He can eat as much sushi as he wants, guys. Leave him alone. Even my roommate's like, um, you you eat out a lot. I'm like, you know what? I put it on my dream board. If I go to another city, <laughs> most of the time I don't have the options of right. food that are as good as L.A. So, yeah, make the most of it. You have to. That's what I always say. If I moved away from L.A., I would miss the restaurants the most. Because you can... What other... I mean, New York. But where else mm-hmm. besides these two places can you literally have whatever you want any day of your life? Yeah. That is I mean, so cool. Now, Nashville, Portland, there's all kinds yeah. of places with great food. But it's not all the types. Mm-hmm. You got to, like, got your gastro pubs and, you know, your barbecue. Got but, your barbecue. But that that West Coast Ocean vibe has got the sushi. Yeah. 
You got the fresh fish here. Mm-hmm. Gotta get it. You mentioned um, working with Rachel Platten. What was that like? She seems like a dream. She absolutely is. Yeah. She's not only one of the nicest people that I've ever been around, but she's incredible as far as singing and songwriting goes. And we wrote together, I want to say like six years ago, maybe four years ago. Like I said, my years are off. Right. I'm not good at that. What month was it? Oh, don't, you know what? It wasn't (laughs) raining that year. It didn't snow. You Okay. Okay. It was a random LA day. Get off of it. I'm off it. I'm off it. You found my weak spot. Yeah. Um, no, but we uh, we wrote a song together, and it was really fun, and we had a great time. And she hit me up a year or two later, and she was like, hey, I'm making a EP or album. I don't even know if she knew what it was at the time. Would you like to come in and like work with me on some songs? So we got in the studio for like that week, and we did four songs. Wow. And uh, one of them was Angels and Chelsea, which is on her album. And we came up with the idea on a piano that was in the studio with the producer. And then we went upstairs to this abandoned, like, empty room that was a studio. And the only thing in the room were screws in the wall where there had been, like, gold records just everywhere. And we sat on the floor and we just wrote the song a cappella. And then we took it back downstairs and recorded it. That's so cool. It was really fun. And it was just, like, Uh. you know, it was a good time hanging out and kind of just enjoying making something that we loved and not really stressing too much about any part of it. Right. Because when you're writing, are you just thinking about let's make a good song? Or are you thinking it's got to be a hit? Do you have that going through your brain? At this point, I feel like, not that I can write a hit every time, but I am so conditioned to want certain things out of a song that I feel like make it a hit that I don't even think about it. What are those things? Um... Number one, I want truth, honesty, and, Mm -hmm. like, realism. So if you're not ever going to, like, I don't like to say things in a song. Some people are good at this. But I don't like when I say things in a song that I wouldn't say in a conversation. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to be like, your hair is like flowers on a eighth day of the week. Like, that's never coming out of my mouth. So I'm not going to say it. But some people... It would be so nice if you said that to me. Some people get, like, amazing records out of, you know this poetry right i'm not that way so i want to be real i want to tell my truth or the artist that i'm writing with truth Mm -hmm. or just say something that everyone thinks and i think there's a lot of potential for a hit in that aspect alone Mm -hmm. and then you want a great melody always and you want the music whether it's just a guitar or a completely full crazy you know massive production you just want it to be special and lovable. And so, you know, you try to write a hit every day, but you're not really thinking, like, what is a hit? Right. Because if you chase something, you're already five years behind the curve. Like, it was probably written two years ago, and it probably took a year to become a hit. Like, it's it's kind of useless. So I just try to love the song I write every day. Yeah, and, and you feel it. Yeah. Right? And, like, come up with something that I want to say and that I want to tell people about or a feeling I want to represent for them. I love that. So when, okay, tell me about the experience of writing for Brittany. Were you in the recording studio with her? How did that work? I wish I could have been. Man, I would have loved to hear about that. Yeah. I, uh, I did hear that she was amazing to work with, that she worked hard, worked as long as they needed her. Um, and like really put 
the time in, which a lot of people at that status I can imagine are like, all right, cool. You got to pass mic drop. Bye. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was cool to hear that she was awesome, nice, fun, you know, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But uh, writing that song was, it was the first thing that I did in between Hot Shell Ray going on hiatus, me switching my whole like managers and everything mm. with my team. And I went and met with somebody that I really trust and I asked her like, you know, what's the best move now? And she put me in the running for this songwriting camp. We went to Aspen, Colorado. Is it Durango? Uh, no, it was no. in Aspen. Oh, okay. And it was up in this beautiful cabin. There was like, I don't know, I feel like 12 people or something. Maybe less. Um, and we just wrote songs for five days. And I remember Liar, the Britney record, being really special when it started coming out and started happening. We went on a hike, started like humming ideas, got back, and it fell out pretty easily. And it was a, a male vocal at first, and then mm. had a friend of mine sing the demo, and she murdered it. <laughs> and then um, sent it in, like, I think it was two years before it came out, once it had been demoed and written. So it definitely took a while. But Brittany did an amazing job. I love how the record turned out. And it was kind of a freak out moment of mine to say that I, I mean, had a song on a Britney Spears record. What the hell? Yeah. You know, when you're a kid watching her on TV in the little schoolgirl outfit, you never think, someday I'll be writing for her. That's amazing. No, I thought other things. Oh, yeah. yeah. Someday I'll be making love to her. <laughs> um, God bless, you know? That's a that's another time and place. Whatever your dreams are, you can. Whatever have your dreams, just shoot for the stars. Those are your dreams, literally. Um, that's so cool. So okay, I have to ask you because I'm obsessed with Mike Posner being from Detroit uh-huh. and just his most recent album. You get that three three and a third. Yeah, that <laughs> that's my area code three one three. All right. He rocked my world with the most recent album. I know you guys wrote together. Was it just one time you wrote together? How did that work? What's he like? Tell me the whole thing. Um, I love Mike. He's one of the best people on the planet. We wrote a lot together, actually. We were working on a record that never came out. Uh, We had, gosh, 100, if not like 300 songs, just over the course of like three years, writing every day that we had off. And towards the end of it, we worked with him as much as possible. He's an amazing songwriter. Like, just like I'm saying, I want to tell the truth in songs. That kind of um, paradigm shift and just revelation hit me from stuff that he said and like being around him and his whole worldview on how he wants to write songs. He rips me open with his songs. When it's incredible. I when I heard "Buried in Detroit," have you heard that song? Yeah, I fell to the ground and started sobbing. I was like, <gasps> someone understands me. I mean, and and that's what he said with that album too. That's what I thought of you because I know that you're Nashville based and you come from that. Like, say what's true to you, and mm-hmm. then someone else will connect to it because you're speaking the truth. Yeah, and I thought that that was so cool because he said that's a perspective he wrote that whole album from. Well, I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. To look at reality shows. Yeah, we love like if we were in somebody's kitchen and they started fighting, we would leave. It would be uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. But if we can watch it on TV, we're all in. We're like, yeah, I want to see who yells at so and so. I want to know their real life. So when you write about your real life, even if it's so specific, like he's got lyrics about you know um, being at Duke. Right. Like everybody doesn't go to Duke. 
but you like knowing that he did. So it's either one. It's like something everyone can relate to or something that you really, really did and only you did. Or at least, you know, you and whoever else went to Duke. Ah. Um, but writing with Mike was amazing. We had, we probably did like four or five songs that were really great. Where are they? They're hiding in vaults somewhere. Um, the Janoskians actually put one of them out. What's it called? Uh, this... Can I swear? I don't know. Yeah, where. swear. Okay, this is great. This fucking song is this the name of the song. is the name of the song. I'm gonna look it up. And it's a uh, it's a lot of fun. But we wrote that for our album that never came out. And the the Janoskians were putting out records, and they did that song. And it was actually, I think, the opening or the closing of their film that they put out. Um, and so I got to go to the screening of that, and it was really cool being in a theater full of people and watching you know, that song open or close the movie that I'm confused because a friend of mine had one of the opposite song, whichever it was. So I was kind of happy at each moment, even though one of them wasn't. Wait, explain that. Your friend had one of the opposite songs. So one of my friends wrote either the closing or the opening song. Oh, okay. And so did I. So I was happy for both songs. I don't remember which one mine did. Okay, I get it. I get Um, it. (laughs) But yeah, Mike is Mike is a really great writer and singer. You two should get together again. I know. We saw each other at the Grammy stuff and uh, reconnected for a minute. And he's super stoked and seems happy. And we're trying to get him to move back from Detroit at least half time. Oh, is he living there full time now? Uh, I don't know what full time is when you're a touring musician, but yeah, he's got a place there. Oh, I love that. See, but that's the thing about, I feel like, Michiganders in general. Like, we all want to get back there. I've never heard Michiganders. Michiganders, Detroiters. We all, like, it's like when you meet someone from Michigan, it's like you're meeting a third cousin you never knew. You're like, oh, my God. Okay, so my mom's family is, like, from, like, Traverse City. Oh, my God. I I feel so connected to you right now. I'll, like, tie in a little bit. I'll, like, cheat that. No, Traverse City, have you been? Yeah. um, The most beautiful. Mackinac Island and all that. Nice. Yeah, it's so, so beautiful. the stones in the lake? Petoskey stones? Petoskey stones. stones. Yeah. Oh, man, that's so cool that you know that. (laughs) We uh, went up there a few times for, like, family reunions and stuff. It's so gorgeous, especially in the summer. Yeah. There's this place called Sugar Beach. Have you been there? I have no idea. Okay, it's in Traverse City. You maybe have. But it's like you want for nothing. It's just beautiful. The sand dunes. Yeah. Now, are you like riding dune buggies on these sand dunes, or just like no? I just out? ride my legs. Okay, <laughs> riding Tumble your down. legs. I don't know if I've ever somebody <laughs> talk about riding your legs. Well, maybe it'll be a, a new song for you. I want to ride your leg is not going to sound good coming out of my mouth. Maybe not. People are going to run not. away. Be like, stop humping my leg. Um, you could make it work. I feel like you could. You could. You could make it. You could make it a hit. The right beats behind it. Yeah, exactly. I, especially this day and age, sometimes people just don't even know what they're listening to. This is true. What do you think about that? I think songs are hits for different reasons, and it's like um, Adele can have a heart wrenching song with just mm-hmm. a piano, or you've got like Migos coming out with Bad and Bougie, and that shit is amazing. Yeah. Um, and you know, you've got like 30 seconds to Mars that they make music that just sets a hundred thousand people on fire at one concert. And like, there's all different types of things that really light up a listener. And so I'm into all of them. Um, I just, it's, you know, as a musician, I have to find mine and make sure I don't 
get caught up being excited about somebody else's and mm-hmm. try to do their trick because then it's not legit. Like what took me so long to find my sound and who I am musically is because I like so many different things that I had to really work to make sure I did my own thing and not like, oh, I'm really into this Trey Songs album right now. Like, I'll just do that. Right. And then it's it's something I genuinely love, but it's not genuinely me. So I had to just kind of shut my brain off, accidentally probably channel everything I've ever grown up and loved, Mm -hmm. and find a melting pot and tell my story. And it, like, I'm happy with it. I feel really confident and really uh, organically, you know, myself in the music. But it was two years or it was 15 years or, you know, 30 years to, like, find that you. place. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard, too, because sometimes it comes out and you don't even realize you're not mimicking, but just channeling someone else mm-hmm. until it's too late. I think it's fine to channel. Yeah. If it's. If it's authentic to you and you're putting it through your synthesizers and then letting it come out organically, as you said. Yeah. But sometimes you hear things and you think they're your own and you listen back and you're like, oh shit, that was something else. Mm-hmm. I love when somebody's like, oh, you sound like so-and-so on that part of your mm-hmm. range or in that song. And I'm like, awesome. As long as I cannot do it on purpose. Right. Then it's like, all right, cool. When I hit this part, you think it sounds like this person or I've hit this part, you think it sounds like this person. That's fine. But if I was like, I'm going to be, you know, somebody 2.0, then I'm not doing myself any justice. I'm not using my uniqueness. I'm not being anybody worth listening to because they've already got the person you're mm-hmm. copying. You know, you got to be whatever the most unique version of yourself is. And yeah. I've got annoying things about my voice for sure. And like, you got to let those happen and embrace them. How do you get over that as the artist? Um, I think you have to sing the feeling and sing with your natural voice. And it might not sound like you're talking voice. It might. But if you're like pretending that you're saying something to someone and you sing with that feeling behind it, it makes it a lot more honestly you. Mm-hmm. Um and, you know, like there's some things where you're like, I want to grit this moment up to express something more intense or I want to soften this to get it more intimate. And you go back and forth between those things. And expressing emotion is definitely a a skill that I'm always trying to get better at. And I respect so much when somebody is just amazing at it. Have you taken acting classes at all or veered into that? Not in a long time. You should do it. Because that changes the way you sing. Does it? I think so. Yeah, because I was a theater major Mm -hmm. in college. I did a lot of musical theater, too, growing up. But taking acting classes, it helps you, like, plot out your points in the song and and really just sing it from, I mean, it's you, but your character's perspective. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. I might have to get some acting classes. Yeah. And the vulnerability, I highly recommend. I'm taking it at this place called BGB Studios. Mm -hmm. They do Meisner Technique. Literally, the first hour and a half, you're just staring at the other person saying exactly what you think. It's terrifying. All you can say are your feelings and observations, and you have to be honest. That's awful. It's awful and amazing, and it's made me uh, so much of a better person, but also a better artist. And I think if you did something like that, it might um, it might make that emotional connection even better. Okay, well, 
That sounds super scary. <laughs> but hey, if it makes you better, I mean, yeah. I'm always trying to be better. You're competitive. Yeah, this is true. So I think you'll do it. I have to go get uncomfortable. We got to talk about your music video. I've got, I've go. got a lot of questions. Okay, okay. so I'm going to tell you what I saw. You can tell me if my interpretation is correct. What you saw? Yeah, this is my interpretation of okay. the story, okay? So there, there's you... And there's a lot of like hot, semi-naked, painted girls in the background. And you're having a good time. And then there's your ex-girlfriend like dancing naked, no paint, trying to win you back. And then there's the image of you and your ex-girlfriend. And you're like all happy, like this is how it used to be. The dancing girl's trying to win you back, but it doesn't work because at the end, you get to paint your face. And you're like, you don't get to do that. Bam. Did I get it right? I love that. I don't even care if it's right or wrong. I'm just going to adopt the whole thing you just said. Okay. Can you just write that out in an email for me? Sure. I'll just dictate it. Um, I'll right. listen back and write it out. I love that. Um, so I I really, making as many videos as I have, um, I really wanted to just be artistic and make the like the visual part beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I love the things that Jared Leto and Kanye West do with their music videos. And they, you don't know what it's going to be just by listening to the song. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to just depict the lyrics to my song in a video and, you know, have a couple breaking up and, you know, being sad or being right. angry. I wanted to make something that looked amazing and then sneak in the actual meaning of the song if you really wanted to look for it, which you clearly did. You went far. Really? You went... I thought I was just being a dork. You looked extra. Um, (laughs) So the dancer is not trying to win me back. Oh, she's not. She's just a great dancer. Sorry. Darn it. But the black and white scenes are... Oh, and then I forgot the lesbians. Then you were really excited because you got to watch a couple of great lesbians. (laughs) I love love to push the envelope and (laughs) to like, whether it's trying to empower the idea that you can kiss a girl as another girl Mm -hmm. and not even have to be one sexuality or another or just because it looks amazing and yeah I definitely wanted like black and white Mm -hmm. like and when I say that I don't mean like a black girl and a white girl I'm like platinum blonde like light skin and then like a dark skin like you know with the gold jewelry and black hair but that also echoes the themes of the song, which maybe you meant to do. I don't know. Oh, so you're because it was black and white. Like, listen, we're broken up. You don't get to do that. Black and white, boo. I didn't even think about that. See? I'm just looking for visuals, and you, Bam. you came in. Have me co- I can justify your whole life. The sushi, the music video. I love this. I'm here for you. So the reason I had the girls kiss, and they went in on it. They did. They had a great kiss. I was like, maybe I'll turn. I don't know. I'm feeling really turned on right now. I was I was like behind the camera being like, lick her face up and down. And she's like, all right. It's like, oh, I was expecting a little bit of fight. But no, she went full from the chin up. They, they God went bless. and did it. Um, but the, uh, the reason I wanted to do that was because what could be more obvious than an artist? And I'm not throwing shade, but like for me, what, I'm going to be the love interest and like... Yeah, I found a girl, and, like, I get to make out with her in my video. Mm, okay. Like, everybody is the person that the girl or the guy makes out with in their video. Right. I want it to be more, like, visually artistic and not so dead on the storyline. Mm-hmm. So I was like, all right, I'm going to have to do this unless I can get this casting done. And it happened, like, the morning of. It was 
I was running crazy trying to sort everything out because I did you cast the video as well yeah oh my gosh so I concepted and casted it and then got together with Sean Hagwell who directed it Mm -hmm. and we figured out how to make all of the things running in my brain happen and then Deirdre Barnes who was the dancer that you were thinking was trying to get me back she and I she was uh she was dancing for Justin Bieber when we did the Believe Tour with them and we hung out a ton and came up with all these visuals um, with Sean, actually, the director. And we wanted to make them happen. And it was just, how are we going to do this? What's, like, what are we going to just make videos and put them places for no reason? <laughs> so we got together a lot when we were planning the video and came up with all the, you know, the black, white paint and how to make that cool on dancers and how to transition the scenes. And um, like you said, I'm painted at the end of the video. And I wanted to get them in like silver body art and give you something that makes you have a reason to watch from start to finish. Because if I repeat the same visuals every 30 seconds, like you don't need to see the rest of the song. It's true. But if you want to see the naked ballerina in the bridge, and if you want to see me all painted up at the end, then you have to watch the lesbian kiss. That might not be a lesbian kiss. It's just visually stunning, folks. It's a flexual kiss. Flexual. Is that flex, um, flexible sexuality? Flex, flexusexual. Ah, I yeah. didn't know that. Flexusexual. There's so many things <laughs> these days. I'm making this up on the spot. So. No, but I believe that because there's like now, um, what is it, like shifting gender or something? I don't know. There's everything. It's a big world out there. I mean, hey. Hey. They know, uh, there's no walls that I think are like that set. No, really there are This fake brick. This fake brick one is very yeah. much set. Yeah, let's not move that. We won't. Um, but I'm glad you liked the video. I it's great. It's exciting to me for you know the uh, the reviews that I can get from anybody and you know what you think. And I love the fact that it made you think and wonder and want to figure out the meanings and the symbolism. I had to analyze it. Once I saw the body paint, I was like, okay, man. You're like, this can't just be body paint. No, there's a meaning. Yeah. So what about tour? Are we going to do a tour? Definitely. Um, There's no plans right now that are locked in or set. Mm -hmm. I have done a few shows out of the country. I went down to the Cayman Islands in November, did a few shows down there. Um, I am always going to Japan. Like, I don't even care why. I will legit just go and sweep a floor if somebody offers. I love... That's traveling. So nice. I'm kidding. Let's be oh. real. They'll have to pay for everything and I'll, you know, perform. But, um, so I've, you know, traveled and like done some kind of to track performances or just acoustic performances, but I really am looking forward to touring and figuring out what that's going to be and look like. Cause it could be anything from me, you know, and a guitar and a MPC and like making the beat and performing to it right there like, like as people get to watch yeah mm-hmm. and you know i did that when i was in high school with looper pedals and stuff and it's a little bit of a thing that he's so successful at using that because i'm definitely going to be seen as like oh you're doing the Ed no thing. no i mean like every songwriter in la does it and like here i got something really cool for you and they do it all but like if you do it well i'm in yeah it's the people who think they're being cool doing it like this kid who performs at the holiday inn sorry to call you i don't even remember oh, your name no. but you're a clown um, that's him very he's texting he me now he's very you. upset um yeah, but when you do it from a place of authenticity, like like mm-hmm. anything, like we were talking about earlier, well, it's going to be great. It's like um, the same thing as if you go open for somebody that's just got a 
banging system mm-hmm. and like you know the tracks are killing it and they're like hey go out there with an acoustic guitar and sing a song as long as you've got a hit that wins mm-hmm. like you can sound or look a hundred times better but if you don't have a hit a hit wins so i feel like if i work at writing great songs i can use whatever method to get you to hear them that i want as long as the material's great that's the most important part to me so you know there's gonna be like I want to get flown to Vegas and play a song to a track like down. I'm yeah. I'm good with that. Or if I want to play, you know, at a hotel cafe with an acoustic guitar, cool. Full band, like every different um arrangement is exciting to me and a new way to make the song happen. And I actually over Christmas performed at a friend of mine's house party, but he was mm-hmm. live streaming it and doing like a multi-camera shoot. Oh cool. And this piano in the living room. And I was like, man, I've rehearsed all this on guitar, but I'm just not really feeling the guitar because it doesn't have the volume of a piano and it's not as different from the recordings. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I can figure this song, like all these songs out on piano. So I did, I don't know, like four songs on piano that I'd never played on piano before. And you were saying in an interview I read that you don't feel as confident on the piano, right? As guitar? Yeah. Um, I'm not a great piano player. I can play and get it done with. But, right. like, I couldn't be hired by someone else to play in their band. Sure. I can play my songs. And I can play in the studio. Um, guitar is a different story. So I'm, like, I'm used to the guitar. I'm, that's my world. So I grabbed, like, the guitar and I played it and I played it on the piano. I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to do it the way I haven't ever done it before. Just because it's more exciting to me and it's... A new take and so i'm always down for the live thing to be something you can't get anywhere else i love that and that makes the audience feel so special too like when i find an artist who i'm obsessed with and they have an acoustic version of their song when it's usually electronic mm-hmm. i go crazy oh yeah it's so it's great that you do that and you have that instinct as an artist i'm thinking about putting out i don't think i want to do it too soon but i want to at some point put out everything i release acoustically too maybe it'll be like year anniversaries or something of release dates that i you know just strip them all down we have to got to sort out what the best plan of action is but yeah i love that i like the idea or maybe like you know a screw the guitar only piano acoustic ep or something something like that where i have to i have to keep myself from actually titling it like a smart ass but Because I would say, like, the Screw the Guitar EP. Cool. (laughs) You're wondering why I'm not put up in a padded room. Um, No, I think that's funny. And I like people who are silly and irreverent. Well, then I can just stay around here for a while. Okay. (laughs) That sounds good. I'll just keep feeding you fish. Raw fish. Okay. Sushi, right? You like sushi. Yeah, it's funny because sushi sounds so much better than raw fish. (laughs) I, like I mean, that's what it is. I imagine one with scales still on it in like a newspaper. Okay, well, no, I'm not just going to give you a tilapia. Like, you better I'll, not. Yeah, I'll I'll get something good. Um, okay. <laughs> then we'll stay. Okay, thank God. Um, we have one other thing we need to talk about, and that's a remix of You Don't Get to Do That. Yeah. By Frank Pohl, mm-hmm. my fellow Italian. Tell me what's going on here, my friend. So I wanted the song remix for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love the idea of, you know, making it because it's it's chill, it's intimate, it's got a beat that feels good, but it's still mm-hmm. like you know, it's in the cut. Yeah, you're not jumping to it, 
And so I wanted somebody to take a chance and a liberty and crank the tempo up and like make it way more hype. Mm-hmm. And I'd worked with Frank on a couple other things, like writing songs for people and, you know, doing some writing to his tracks. And I love what he does. And he was down to do the remix. And I got it back. And I was just, like, perfectly happy. Thank God it was good. And I loved it. And, you know, we just got to give it the green light and put it out instead of... Like, there's always the chance because you don't know what it's going to come back like. Right. Um, but Frank is amazing at what he does. And he killed it for sure. And it's it's, it's like a crazy, like... You know, it's a dance version of you don't get to do that. Yeah, I love that you're going this route, too, because obviously, like I said, I'm a huge fan of Mike Posner, and I love mm-hmm. all the acoustic songs that he put out in his album, but when he did those remixes, it really took it to the next level. So Definitely. it's cool, because it's just, it's another way to get more ears. Yeah, and it makes it, like, more anthemic, potentially. And, yeah. And, you know, the, uh, I mean, there's nothing better than having different versions of something you love. Yeah. That's a nice sentiment. It, I mean, unless it's like unless a Jekyll and like, Hyde thing. But yeah, hey. that would be scary. Um, but when it comes to music, that's definitely true. <laughs> Beautiful. Oh, well, man, I, I've been so blessed to spend this night talking with you. Thank you for coming in. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're welcome anytime. It's, fun. it's a good spot. Yeah, it's great. We've got fake bricks. Mm-hmm. Lots of TVs. Lots of TVs. More than you could ever need. <laughs> um, we might have a DVD player because I heard you're we'll lacking one. It. Yeah. Steal it. For sure. For sure. Okay, well, we've got a thief here. <laughs> we've got a wonderful musician. If I get arrested, it's your get fault. Get his album. It is out now on iTunes. I highly recommend it. Watch his video. See if you have the same understanding of it that I did. Or maybe you'll have a different one. Yeah, and you got to tweet all of these uh, questions and reviews and yes. opinions on the, the video and the EP to us. Yes, you do. And you're at Nash Overstreet on Twitter, Instagram. Is it Snapchat as well? Yeah. Snapchat. Um, on everything YouTube, the Facebook is Nash Over Street Music. Ah, that's okay. the only one that's not just straight up Nash Over Street. All right, well, don't forget the music on Facebook, folks. And tour dates are TBD, but mm-hmm. we're thinking they're going to come up. Yeah, likely there'll be one in Japan. He'll be sweeping the floor while he sings. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> and my name is Lauren Lagrasso. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Snapchat, I'm stupidly at Lolo Logro. That was my old name. But hey, you can still find me there. And I also have a show coming up on April 30th at Rockwell LA. You can get tickets at rockwell-la.com. That's April 30th. Come on out. And uh, just enjoy this song. I love this one. You make me be better. (laughs) It's trying. That's a wrap, folks. From executive producers Maria Manunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. Interview. Oh. 